and welcome into another episode of the Data Center Frontier Show podcast. We're here today with Sean Farney. Sean is Vice President of Data Center Strategy for JLL Americas. And the title and topic of this podcast is Data Centers, AI, and Creative Destruction. In the course of the discussion, Sean and I are going to touch on the cultural context of AI, technologies for the data center, um, the impact uh, AI is having on data center design, uh, the balance that must be struck between uh, data centers' sustainability concerns and AI, and also uh, the topic of AI and adaptive reuse or circularity in the data center. So that's a big mouthful for me, but uh, Sean, uh, welcome in uh, to the podcast. Thank you for joining us here. Uh, glad we could do this. Thanks so much. Um, I'm a big fan of, of the Frontier, long-standing relationship, and um, really appreciate your audience. Uh, appreciate your audience and, and what everyone does as a data center operator uh, on a daily basis to make all this stuff and technology that we're using today work. Perfect. Thank you so much. So uh, to begin, you've titled this podcast uh, Data Centers, AI and Creative uh, Destruction. What what does that really mean? What what are we driving at here? You know, I, I, I love the term creative destruction uh, actually made popular by um, a, uh, an economist at the end of the 19th century, early 20th century, Joseph Schumpeter. Um, who used the term to describe um, innovation as a creative force that destroys existing technology. And um, I think it's a great way. It's also called Schumpeter's Gale, uh, less commonly heard. Um, but I use it a lot because I, th I think it really captures extremely well what's going on now in, in the space. I think in general, if you look at the last 10 or 15 years of, of the data center industry and its development, it's a lot of creative destruction going on. In fact, um, uh, from, from my time as a, as a builder and, and operator of, of data centers at, at Microsoft and other places, um, I, I've seen just amazing innovation, huge investment in research and development and all kinds of crazy things to drive better performance, better sustainability, lower power consumption. So it's been an exciting uh, space to be in. Um, in particular, what's going on today with, with AI, again, perfect example of creative destruction. We've got this somewhat of a, of a black swan event that is AI or, or, or something that kind of comes out of left field and, and surprises everyone, which Absolutely. Um, I, I get a, a big kick out of, you know, the, the, the hyperscale data center Developers and operators are some of the best planned, best run, best staffed uh, companies in the world. Um, you know, five or six of them are the, are in the the top ten largest companies in the world by market capitalization. So these are really smart folks who know what's going on. I've been doing this stuff a long time, and in this rise of AI, really even caught them um on their heels um you know back in november when when chat gpt went out to public and got to a million users practically overnight um the street noticed and the the, the wheels of 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 uh capitalistic monetization started in motion and 
you know, fast forward a few months and everything you hear is, is AI. Um, there are companies that, that don't even know how to spell AI who are, are peddling AI products. It's really exciting. There's so much mass and energy going on in the space. And um, on the more serious side, it is ushering in massive, not evolutionary, revolutionary changes to how we do data centers um, across right. the whole spectrum. And we'll we'll talk about all of this, but you know, site selection, power design, cooling, sustainability, really, really incredible innovations that, that's in some cases driving out the way we've been doing design build and ops for 20, 25 years. Mm-hmm. So in our uh, in our meeting notes, uh, you uh, you notice you just said that uh, AI is one of the most uh, disruptive changes to digital infrastructure that you've witnessed, and then and then you take off a few elements of that in terms of uh, the mainframe to client server, compute uh, <laughs> storage, uh, mini miniaturization of compute and storage, i.e. the phone in your pocket, and uh, ubiquitous wireless bandwidth. Uh, can can you can you just sort of uh, build out those uh, you know those the elements of those disruptive changes and how how AI is uh, impacting the data excuse me the data center there? Yeah, yeah. So um, to date myself, um, I I did a lot of uh, mainframe to client server migrations back in the '90s. Like I remember the original data center was a computer room with a with an IBM three sixty three ninety whatever it was front end controllers. ESCON cabling token ring. Um, that wasn't that long ago. And I remember how disruptive it was going to central a centralized computing model to client server. And back then, geez, AIX and, and Novell servers, then Windows NT servers, and you know, fast forward to where we are today, cloud computing. Um, that was a that was a major change in the modality of how we did computing and storage compute and, and shared to distributed model. And um, it, it's funny, cloud and, and even now AI is kind of <laughs> returned to the mainframe in a lot of ways, right? So I remember those wow. days. That was a significant change. Um, the, the you know the phone in your pocket. I, I would you know tell my kids stories about you know how back in the old fashioned you know days before uh, the internet, like we had to do things like clean up hard drives. I, I remember as a <laughs> Novell Netware administrator, like scheduling the, you know, the the hard drive um, uh, cleanup on Friday nights. If you hadn't touched a file in a certain amount of time, it would get deleted. Um, those those days are over. Um, this this here device is bigger than some of the original data centers that I built in the '90s. That's been amazing how we how we've densified and miniaturized tech, um, and, and then uh, lastly, uh, bandwidth. Um, you know, we're the generation that grew up with with modems, right? You had to click a button to to talk to anyone else or anything else, and, and you were doing so at you know twenty four hundred baud. You know, uh, amazing if you look at the the um, the orders of magnitude increase in bandwidth in just twenty twenty five years. So I, I put AI up there with some of these major shifts in the cultural context of technology major, major change, what, what AI is doing with it, its densification of storage and compute and the ability to change how we interact um, as humans, as people with machines is is seminal. So it's it's very, very exciting. Understood. Thank you for that. Well, you just uh, uh, mentioned a key term, which is densification. 
Um, you know, uh, Synergy uh, Research is estimated, as I saw you post on uh, LinkedIn uh, the other day, and we had a story about it too, that uh, AI is going to uh, in increase uh, critical IT loads uh, for hyperscalers by three times. So obviously the density of uh, facilities is going to uh, increase, uh, I guess we'd have to say uh, exponentially. Um, and uh, so what can you say about uh, uh, your take on what AI's uh, impact is going to be uh, on data center design, even beyond, uh, you know, obviously now we're talking about new cabinet densities of 50 to 100 kilowatts. You know, that's a five to 10 times increase uh, beyond, uh, you know, where we were just uh, just a few years ago. And uh, yeah, what wh what can you say about uh, that? what AI is going to do to those uh, data, data center designs going forward in terms of hybrid versus uh, dedicated and uh, worrying about the economic viability of existing facilities for uh, colo ops. Huge, huge impact. And I'm, I'm a huge fan of, of Synergy and, and what Heather Gallo has been pumping out for the last few years. They have really, really good data. And that one, I think that one struck a chord to see that was a really good graph um, showing how uh, the, the number of data centers, hyperscale data centers continues to climb. That's about a 20% kegger. Um, but the kegger for the density of those facilities is, is climbing at a much more significant rate. So 3X uh, in the next six years. So it really uh, pretty starkly gave you a picture of, wow, um, not only are we growing at the old rate, which was huge, 20% throw on top of that, this kind of um, exogenous, AI densification factor. Um, and it, it is, uh, you mentioned all the densities to the floor in the cabinet. Um, that is really significant. Uh, I remember building to uh, a 20 kW per cabinet spec uh, about 15 years ago while at Microsoft. And that at the time was huge, right? And no one's going to use that. And, you know, that's going to last forever. Um, you know, for a long time in the co-location space, our, our clients, you know, have seen um, an experience of three to five, maybe six or seven K-dub per cabinet for the retail clients. You know, suddenly in a few months, we, we, we do a 10X, a, a, a logarithmic expansion of that density. Um, it, it, it frankly, it doesn't work for existing facilities, right? To support right. that density, you'd have to strand an enormous amount of space, which, you know, the economics would not work. So, we have to solve for this going forward. Um, I, I, in my role, um, um, in my strategy role for, for JLL in the data center space, I, I do a lot of advisory work. I do a lot of sh just sharing of, of challenges and opportunities with clients. And some of my, my largest um, hyperscale data center clients have, have literally pressed pause on existing developments and build plans um, knowing now that their basis design needs to change around density significantly to reflect these numbers. And the risk is, if you don't do that, um, it, you know, is a, is a 500 million, 700 million, billion dollar project you're building today going to be economically viable if you run the spreadsheet out with these new densities, if you can't support new business, and therefore are your investors going to poke at you really hard um, and not finance these projects. So it's it's dollars and cents looking out three to five years based on these new assumptions, which no one knew about uh, 
even really a year ago, certainly not two or three years ago when we were, you know, involved in designing facilities and taking down land and, and kind of going through the motions, doing the same type of data center electrical distribution and design that we've been doing uh, for the last 20 or so years. Um, and, and similarly for cooling, you know, once you get to the, on what you look at and how you look at it, let's say it's 50 kW or 60 per day, kW per rack. You know, the traditional um, method of just pushing air around, even in a tightly controlled space, just doesn't work for this much. You know, you, you, when you have a one kilowatt core, <laughs> I mean, this just blows me away. That's, that's more than, you know, a good old compact ProLiant server 15 years ago was, you know, three or 400 watts. And that was a big deal. Now we got cores that are one kW crazy so if you're not going to push air around anymore how are you going to do cooling and deal with this heat load um well that's where where liquid cooling comes in and all its different variants um we're, okay. we're in this amazing spectrum of figuring stuff out and incredible innovation from isotope and all these other providers of of, of, of cooling solutions that are just cutting edge you know don't know yet where that's going to come out but the big point is the basis of design for for cooling systems, which really have been unchanged for 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 decades. Um, that just got right. flipped, right? Um, and and it it creates this interesting kind of paradox vis-a-vis -vis sustainability, which segues into a, another topic here. You know, yes. Um, um, you know, couldn't have picked a worse time to say to an industry which is struggling with. Um, being sustainable and efficient, uh, but I will, as a side note, say that we in the data center industry are um, compared to other industries. We are, we are very, very far along. I would say bleeding edge around being efficient with power and, and water consumption. We've been working on this stuff for more than twenty years. We gamify PUE. Um, really amazing visibility along the whole ecosystem of, of sustainability and consumption. Yet. Um, um, with with some of the regu regulation um, and, and legislation uh, in the EU, in particular, corporate sustainability reporting directive, some similar recent legislation in California and the U.S., and some of the coming uh, suspected SEC regulation. A um, lot of activity, a lot of requirements for reporting. Um, the industry's having a tough time with it. Um, JLL is a founding member of the the iMasons Climate Accord to help solve these types of things. A of lot course. of smart people trying to figure out sustainability, monitoring, management, reporting, optimization, uh, and then, you know, throw on top of this 20% growth kegger, this AI logarithmic densification. And wow, um, you know, it, it, it really creates a much, much greater challenge. Um, but, um, you know, so that's kind of the bad news. But what is really interesting along the lines of, of creative destruction, AI pushing densification and heat load, you know, past the point at which traditional um, modalities for cooling, moving air around can support brings innovation. And this innovation is liquid cooling. So, you know, bad news, all this new heat and densification brought to you by AI kind of coming out of left field. Good news, this is gonna usher in a more sustainable technology for cooling, which could eliminate all the different pieces and parts of 
you know, the cooling equipment infrastructure, cooling towers and chilled water loops and cracks and craws and all that type of thing uh, and, and drive sustainability way up. So again, like this is a, a great time to be alive in the, in the data center space. It's so exciting. There's, you know, stuff is changing weekly now. So um, fascinating times for sure. It is fascinating. It really does seem to be kind of like the perfect uh, storm uh, for AI. But as you point out, uh, it, there's no better uh, group of people than uh, the people in the data center industry who've been, you know, working right along to uh, solve these challenges. But one outline that struck me in your meeting notes, uh, back to the sustainability piece, uh, with AI's sustainability balance, as you, as you write, uh, this new need for uh, incredibly more dense cabinets is really poor timing for an industry that was already struggling to get its arms around sustainability uh, execution. Um, and I think you just covered that in, uh, in what you just said. But as you uh, also note, as Kermit Frog famously said, it's not easy being green. So, um, you know, how, you know, is, is it really a case where it, all of a sudden now we can't uh, talk about sustainability we're all, uh, without also talking about AI? Um, maybe. Um, I, I think there's one really broad context or takeaway that this, this AI, recent AI influence brings out. And, and, and that's that, you know, really, you, you, you can't manage what you're not measuring. So this is really about measurement. And in the data center biz, we've been really good at measuring power, power efficiency since really the, the, the advent of PUE when, when Christian Bellotti kind of published his work in the area before he was at Microsoft, then he came to Microsoft. I, I, I worked for him there and PUE blew up and it became in the best kind of way, the thing we were all chasing in the industry. And you had Microsoft, Google, Amazon, uh, at the time, Facebook, um, all putting a lot of efforts into optimizing PUE and turning it into a race, which uh, in turn forced a lot of great innovation around, you know, turning up set temperatures and isolating airflows. Um, I deployed a, a containerized compute um, in partnership with, with Dell and HPE. We put 2000 servers in a shipping container and drove the PUE way down. So um, we're really good at that type of stuff. We're really good at manage, managing power. Um, JLL has some, some clients in particular in the US West who are really incredible, doing incredible things with water and driving down water usage and, and management mm -hmm. of it. But the, the broadest, um, I guess, uh, way to look at this whole sustainability thing and um, with the AI, AI influences, we have to be really, really good as a, an industry at measurement and measurement frameworks. Um, and, and that's the hard part of this. And, uh, you know, the, the stats I always throw out there is that um, of JLL's top 50 global clients, and, and these are all very, very large, successful companies, 81% of them have board level um, sustainability ESG goals. So that's that's good news, right? The message is out. We know this is important. We need to make change. Um, however, only 19% uh, of those same uh, group of clients have a funded and, and published execution plan. So there is an execution gap. This stuff is hard. Um, that's where I always use the, the Kermit quote, um, which again, uh, dates me a little bit. Um, it, it is not easy being green. 
Um, and, and that's illustrated by uh, the challenges our clients have. Um, and, and to that end, um, we, we've pursued and, and have just released a, um, a carbon accounting um, a tool and service to help our clients do this very thing, measure carbon usage in their data center facilities, uh, because it, number one, it's the right thing to do. Number two, your board says you have to track this stuff and hit certain goals over time. Number three, legislation and regu regu regulation, specifically in the EU, Corporate Sustainability Reporting Directive now makes it law. And, and that's that's being very well received. And, and I think uh, that's, you know, uh, the, the future of this space around sustainability is get measurement, reporting, dashboarding, so you can report on this stuff and then continuously improve it. Point taken. Um, now, uh, next, uh, uh, what I need to ask you about is uh, how does adaptive uh, reuse or circularity enter into the data center AI discussion, uh, whereas uh, density demands and challenges uh, with integrating into existing fo footprints uh, could see uh, existing industrial, commercial, or even retail spaces leveraged for deployment of modular AI-specific data center infrastructure. What is the angle on adaptive reuse uh, for data centers and AI? Yeah, this one's pretty interesting, um, and and not a lot of folks are, are talking about it yet. Um, but adaptive reuse actually has a storied history in the in the data center industry. So some of the original, you know, seminal uh, foundational data centers around the world, 350 Cermak in Chicago, uh, QTS Atlanta, um, Digital Realty in Franklin Park, uh, Switch in Grand Rapids. Th these are all adaptive reuse. Projects, you know, 350 Cermak was was a former R. Donnelly printing press plant where they they printed the Sears catalog. Um, we've been using buildings for a long time for all the right reasons, and in recent years, we've gotten away from this a little bit. Um, although uh, I, I was I was excited to see you know Compass recently acquiring uh, the Sears headquarters in Hoffman Estates, uh, Illinois. Yeah. Um, to build a massive uh, campus there. I, uh, I I I ran an edge data center company uh, ten years ago, uh, trying to leverage Sears and Kmart properties for data centers. Uh, perhaps an idea too soon for its time, uh, but but <laughs> great to see that type of activity. And and I think we need to take a closer look at adaptive reuse. And that's not just you know the guy who works at one of the largest <laughs> real estate companies in the world. I think. Um, uh, first of all, we've got 30 billion square feet of, of commercial, retail, and industrial <laughs> real estate in just the U.S. That's billion with a B. This is staggering. We have a lot of buildings, um, and the, these buildings are, are opportunities for us to be more sustainable. Meaning, um, instead of just you know carpeting a, a pasture with concrete and throwing up a bunch of concrete and steel in a new building. Um, let, let's take a closer look at our existing built environment and see what opportunities we have for reuse. And AI in particular um, offers an interesting perspective um, on adaptive reuse, which is just a good, good idea in general. But AI is going to really cause some issues for maxed out data centers. Um, the enterprise data centers in particular um, are, are, are 
are, are generally maxed out from a mechanical and electrical perspective. Um, and we hear this from a lot of our clients uh, and anyone who's run a corporate data center inside of what used to be class A office space or, or even you know, a data center that was built 20 years ago um, continually is challenged with mechanical and, electri uh, and electrical scale because the, the pace of densification and, and scale and density in the data center has far surpassed what you know, is, is, was built um, even as little as five years ago. Um, so enterprises, if they want to do on-prem or close to on-prem AI, it, you know, the densities are not going to allow them to carve out space in their existing footprint. So um, is there an opportunity for either reuse of land or reuse of, of office space into which a modular kind of AI specific um, you know, piece of, of data center gear is deployed. Um, and, and there's a long list of providers of modular solutions. And they are, I, I've, I've walked a number of them and the advances uh, in materials and construction and design have just been incredible in the last five years. So there are a number of modular solutions that can be plunked into uh, warehouse spaces and even retail and corporate office spaces, which may solve this issue for integrating AI into the enterprise. Similarly, um, you know, some of the co-location providers are, are, are having the same challenge um, and can't necessarily leverage their existing raised floor environment or, or, or retail co-location environment because, again, to AIFI it, so to speak, mm -hmm. you have to strand lots of space and, and the economics don't, don't always work there. Um, but they may have some power and they may have a parking lot and a, a module or two of a few hundred K-dub of AI specific gear deployed out in the parking lot or in the building next, next door may be a great idea. Um, and at scale, if we start to see AI at the edge for uh, either content, computational um, uh, learning models, it, Lots of different um, potential future scenarios for for how AI is going to look and where it's going to be um, if this turns out to be more of a close to consumption or um, go to to um, non NFL cities scenarios. Um, adaptive reuse of um, all these different built environment uh, pre existing built environment spaces becomes appealing and doable. And now with the focus on sustainability becomes um, a sustainability, a, a sustainable way of doing things, um, which from a carbon accounting perspective, you know, reusing an existing building um, gives you kind of carbon accounting credits, so to speak. Um, so yes. it, th this, this is going to be really interesting to watch and, and, and it's still developing. Um, you know, we, we've seen this in the past um, years ago from the original Dart Points model. Uh, Vertiv has a really interesting product today. Uh, the Compass Quantum product, a modular product, is, is, is fascinating. Um, so stay tuned on this. But, but I think adaptive reuse may, may step up and, and, and take a, I guess, retake uh, a, a stronger role in, in site selection. Um, if we see this kind of bifurcation into, you know, standard hyperscale and data center build and then AI specific, which um, I think some of the technical demands may warrant. All right. Interesting. Uh, interesting uh, 
way of framing it, and uh, we're really going to have to, uh, you know, continue to follow uh, this adaptive uh, reuse uh, trend, uh, just for uh, all the reasons uh, that you mentioned. Uh, so. Um, maybe a good way to wrap up is, uh, you know, you just touched on uh, sustain sustainability again. Uh, you mentioned your commitment to personal sustainability in your bio. Um, any uh, closing notes on uh, weaving that in uh, with uh, AI, uh, you know, the uh, sustainability uh, consideration uh, that must uh, come into play with uh you know, the explosion of uh, AI that's happening and that's about to happen in data centers? Yeah, well, I don't um, I do not do AI yet at home. <laughs> Although <laughs> I do have a smart home. Um, Alexa runs my home. Um, and, and actually, uh, it's pretty interesting to see what Amazon and others are doing on the sustainability front. Um, I don't think it's powered yet by AI, but we're, we're, we're kind of in the... You know, if, if if we think of this as a as, as a spectrum, um, uh, what what Amazon Home, smart home products, and, and others are doing are, are are starting to gather data, and I think next phase you will see um, the movement from data to insights in your home environment. And I already have, if I open up Alexa, I can I can click on Energy Insights and take a look at my my energy consumption. Um, and uh, as you mentioned, this is a, a personal passion of mine. And um, I, uh, you know, I, I can't very well go around telling clients to be more sustainable if I don't, uh, if I don't uh, walk the walk. Um, so at home, um, I, I live in Wisconsin, I have very cold winters. Um, but my backyard is is 30 acres of, of, uh, of hardwood. So I leverage uh, deadfall. So trees that have either been blown over by storms or have died and tipped over um i leverage this deadfall to heat my home in the winter um and this uh this drives my energy star node score up um yes i'm, I'm this much of a sustainability nerd my my home is an energy star node and i uh, in the winter i am uh one of the uh, the leading energy star nodes in waukesha county because my uh my my, my heating is done by this deadfall via uh, wood burning stove, which does now have an EPA um, uh, tax credit uh, for for green usage uh, and, and reusage of, of resources, and um, okay. I look forward to a very interesting future here soon, where where uh, Alexa or other smart home products can see that you're not using either natural gas or electricity for um, doing some of the energy energy uh, consumption conversion in your home, and can kind of um, uh, give you some AI generated insights into yeah. the, uh, sustainable in the in the home environment. I think it's a really good point because I think that that is what that kind of thing is what's going to make uh, both uh, sustainability and AI uh, tangible uh, for people. You know, if you can see that, uh, you know, AI is causing you to have a, uh, you know, less uh, expensive uh you know, energy bill for for your home, or uh, you know, th this is the kind of thing that that is going to make it real for people more than just uh, a nebulous, uh, you know, concepts uh, and uh, marketing speaks. So, uh, so I think that's a really a uh, valuable uh, point. So uh, I think we're uh, coming to the end of our time here. How should we uh, how should we wrap this up? Let's take this back 
to the title of uh, today's talk, Data Centers, AI, and Creative uh, Destruction. Um, what, what, is, what, what are the closing uh, points uh, here for this discussion? You know, I, I think we're in one of the most exciting uh, times uh, in the industry and I guess in our tech culture in, in general. Um, we are firmly in the midst of the, of the fourth industrial revolution um, where um, what I like to say uh, in, in one of my lectures is we're, we're in a data centered world and, and data has become our currency. If, if you think about it for both uh, business and, and personal use data is the value, um, you know, in the, in the business realm, you know, digital transformation is, is, is all the rage and most companies in the, in the fortune 1000 have, data in the leveraging of data as part of their value proposition. And then personal, uh, you know, just take a look. Uh, if, you, if you have teenagers or, or haven't looked at teenagers walking down the street, um, look at the value of data and uh, devices and social media. That, that's the culture we are in. So it's culturally infused. It's not going away. It's very, very exciting because of this creative destruction that it's driving and, and what's going on in the world. And, it, and it's, it's not, it's not stopping. In fact, it's growing at about a 20% kegger. Um, the, the, the stat I throw out there is, this is from uh, Statista. We create 330 billion terabytes every day of data, and that's going up at a 20% kegger. So we all picked the right industry. Data centers is the place because we are behind every tablet and phone and gaming console. And now Alexa Holmes. Uh, and so it's fun. It's exciting. Hold on. It's, it's changing rapidly. And, uh, you know, AI is, is now the new thing we have to talk about and study. And, and next year it'll be something new, but uh, it's great to work in a, a recession resistant, inflation resistant and pandemic resistant industry that's doing really, really cool things. And is I think leading a sustainability in, in caring about the future of the planet. Very well said, Sean. Um, I want to thank you and JLL uh, so much for uh, joining us here today uh, on the DCF uh, Show podcast for a really engaging and uh, illuminating uh, discussion. Um, I can't wait to get it out there so that our uh, audience can get the benefit of it. So thank you again. All right. Thanks, Matt. Take care. Bye-bye now. Bye. -bye